All right, welcome back to the Gird Up Podcast. My name is Charlie Ungemach, and I'm the founder and curator of this podcast. I am really, really happy and excited to share this podcast with you. This is the very last installment of Interviews with Larry Clark. Now, he's going to talk about his family, how proud he is of his family, how much he loves his family. Um, he's going to talk about manhood and masculinity. He's going to talk about politics a little bit. And he's going to tell my two favorite Mr. Clark stories, along with a myriad of other stories. Mr. Clark never had a short shortage of stories that he was ready and willing to share. So buckle up for a exciting and fun ride. And this is our final go-around with Mr. Larry Clark. Here we go. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Gird Up Podcast. The call to gird up is an ancient way of telling a man to prepare himself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers, brothers in Christ, working hard to become the men that God has called us to be. I am your host, Charlie Ungemach. I'm a teacher, a coach, music director, and a man of God, myself working toward the goal of, like David, being a man after God's own heart. We're happy you could join us. Now it's time to roll up our sleeves, to gird up, and become the men that God has created us to be. Awesome. So you talked about your daughter a little bit. Uh, let's talk about your family. You have three kids. Two boys and a girl. And a bunch of grandkids. Five of them. Awesome. Yes. So, uh, why don't you talk about your family a little bit? Well, um, order of birth was boy, boy, girl. And the oldest one, um, uh, school wasn't really a big importance to him. And then when he got out, we wanted him to go to college. That didn't last. And he did serve four years in the Air Force. Very proud of him for that. Then he came home and he wanted to get into, well, he went, got back to his job at Quick Trip and, uh, and he went to college and again, that didn't last. And then over the next few years, he met the girl he married who was a college graduate. And ironically, when she graduated from college, she wanted to get on state patrol. Oh. So, so she's, she's one of my favorites <laughs> and, and she likes to shoot. And that's the advantage, living out here in the country. I can shoot right next to my house. Yeah, you got that target down by the barn. You got it. And uh, so she, uh, my son was going, okay, you know, this is nice and all of that. Well, then she got her master's degree. Well, oh, so he went, and, and I admire his progression because over several years, uh, he got an associate degree. He got a bachelor's degree, and then he got a master's degree. I'm very proud of it. Uh, my second son, who's, well, they're both the boys, well, all three of them, what, uh, have a wonderful sense of humor, wonderful sense of humor. One night, we had just gotten new living room carpet, <laughs> and I had gone to bed because I had to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and go to work, and he stands in the doorway on this new carpet, and he's going, Dad, I, I think I'm going to throw up. <laughs> I was out of bed and him into the bathroom in record time. <laughs> well, as we come out into the hallway to 
push him into the bathroom, everybody else is standing down at the end of the hallway laughing. <laughs> yeah, okay. I've been pranked. It was funny. <laughs> and uh, But he went on uh, to college, uh, very successful in college, majored in Spanish, which uh, he uses. He did a uh, semester over in Spain. Uh, he lived in Mexico for a few months, but he works at, at Mayo now, and they infrequently will rely upon him for his his Spanish ability. He has he married uh, married a wonderful girl. I thought with me being blonde and my wife being uh, dark haired, I figured my kids would be redheads. <laughs> Not a one. The only redhead I got, Corey married. Uh-huh. And uh, so, and she's a delight. And they have a son, who uh, who's is a delight. He's ten. He'll be he'll be eleven this summer. And then uh, my daughter got a job working for an insurance company, national insurance company. And uh, all three of my kids and their spouses have just fantastic work ethics. Yeah. They just oh, I'm so pleased. And uh, she has she has gone right up the ladder there, and her husband is the IT person for one of our uh, grocery distributors, and uh, they all own their own house. And uh, uh, my daughter has two, a boy and a girl, and they're just I mean they come out here and it's it's uh, run over and greet grandma, and then they'll come over running over to me and they'll say. Is the wagon hooked up to the tractor? <laughs> and then it's tractor rides. And then during the winter, it's we'll just chain up the uh, in a long row the sleds, and I'll yeah. drag them around on their sleds. It's a lot of fun. Awesome. Uh, and we'll camp. We'll, we'll play hide-and-seek. One Easter, I came home from, from church, and I came home a little bit later than everybody else because I helped put the church back together. And I'm greeted... It's one of the two church worship seasons that I wear a suit. <laughs> uh, I'm greeted at the door by the grandchildren. They say, Grandpa, 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 come on out. Come on, we got to go outside. We got to go outside. Grandpa, come on outside. Grandpa, come on. Just let me change my clothes. So I change my clothes. They take me out the front door and they hand me a stick. <laughs> and I said, what are we going to do with this? We're going to go up on the hill and hunt bears. <laughs> and I'm going... Okay, well, that quickly morphed into a game of hide-and-seek. Yeah. So we we did that. But we have a creek. We have trees. We have hills. I've got the perfect front yard, as you well know, for sliding. Yep. In the, yep. In the summer t- or in the wintertime, uh, we do that. And I'll have – they'll come out, and when I'm splitting wood, they'll stack it for me. Uh, they like to stay overnight. They like Grandpa to read them the bedtime stories because – I embellish it a little bit. <laughs> Make it a little more exciting. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I love it. It's just, I, you know, there were, there were times, there were two times in my life that the one time, 10 years ago, I didn't think I was going to make it, but I did. And, uh, and then this last time, well, you know, and, and let nobody ever doubt this statement i i'm god loves me <laughs> i mean god loves me because i survived i survived two instances where 
the first instance was an eight and a half hour surgery. And the doctor said, you know, you may not, a small percentage of people do not survive the surgery. Right. And I looked at her and I said, okay. And she says, okay. And I said, doctor, on July 19th, I will, or 14th, July 14th, I will either wake up in the recovery room or I will wake up in paradise. And I said, either of those is acceptable to me. Well, this last one a year plus ago, um, I honestly expected uh, that I would not survive because of the amount of damage that was done. Yeah. And But, you know, wow, thank you, Lord. Just thank you. I, what else do you say? I mean, he's, he's <laughs> given you your life back, and he's given you good healing from from all of this and i just you know oh man thank you and and i don't at first i used to be a little mousy about saying things like that yeah now i'll speak it from the rooftops i mean god as long as you're still up there yeah that's right yeah (laughs) i don't have a ladder to get up there but uh (laughs) but uh you know thank you lord thank you thank you and i look forward to the day when i will stand in front of him to be judged yeah. and and thank him in person yeah yeah wow cool and, and then i'm gonna go find the heavenly banquet and find me a hot pastrami on rye <laughs> <laughs> probably probably the guy jakes is making him up there too is yeah he probably guess. is yeah <laughs> All right, uh, so we talked about how you and your wife met and, and flirted across the hallway at the at the Mayo clinic yes. but uh, you want to talk about your wife a little bit she was my third grade teacher i know she was yeah um she she started out being a public school teacher and she taught seven or eight years and then stopped so that we had a family and then as she was thinking about getting back into teaching she got a call from mount calvary to be their teacher mm-hmm. and and this woman this woman has such a love for teaching i mean i oh you can her actions and her professionalism and and she would always scold me for acting unprofessional on the street as a police officer. <laughs> but that's me. Yeah. Uh, her, her level of professionalism is so far above mine. And uh, a good housekeeper during the summer, she has a huge garden. Yeah. And she likes to can and freeze. Uh, she likes to bake and cook. I mean, she's, she's a good cook who was the daughter of a good cook. And, um, you know, I was... I weighed about 180 when I got married, and yeah, I haven't seen that number in a lot of years. <laughs> How long did you hold on to it? Not long. Not long. <laughs> Not long. <laughs> the one time, the one time that I really managed to maintain my weight was when I was walking a beat as oh, a police yeah. officer, because uh, you're walking for eight hours, and uh, I was. But then when I got assigned to uh, the squad and the motorcycle. I was, it it started coming back on because, <laughs> well, let's see, let's stop and get a cup of coffee and a couple of donuts and, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what 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 drew you to her? How did you know she was the one? I can't say that there was any particular instance that, oh, I need to marry this woman. Yeah. I mean, it just the the we grew together, and uh, I just. I just thought, you know, this, we got to see how this works. So I proposed and she, she accepted. And then we had a, we had a two year 
engagement. And it's just, you know, has this relationship always been smooth? No, it's, you know, there's yeah. been some rocky waves and, and stuff like that, but it, we've always been together. Mm-hmm. And the, the proof of the pudding for me is uh, last year when I was in ICU in Rochester, uh, really right on the edge of life and death, uh, she, was, she was up there all the time I was in ICU. Mm-hmm. I mean, she would, and I don't remember any of this, but she would come in and see how I was doing, and every now and then I'd, I'd open an eye and because I had, well, with all those broken ribs, uh, I couldn't breathe. Yeah. And then they'd give me medication for the pain, which would make that worse. Right. But uh, I came through it, you know, thank yeah. you. And she was, she was right there. The kids would come up. I, I wouldn't know them. I just, I, and, and for, for several days, uh, I just thought, like laying out on the front step before I came to the day of the accident, I thought, you know, is this it? Is this mm-hmm. l- it, Lord? You know, are the angels coming? Yeah. yeah. I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. As ready as I'm ever going to be, being a sinner. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This be- beauty of life as a Christian, for sure. Yeah, really. I mean, knowing, knowing what's on the other side of the river. Yeah. You know, wow. Yeah. All right. So you are an 11 time pistol state shoot champion. Yep. You've got a barn full of wood. <laughs> you live a beautiful house out in the country. You guys built this, right? Yep. Was this room originally here? Or no, this room was added on when Corey was born because we had Ryan. And then when Corey came along, our kitchen closed up. and <laughs> we, we put this on. And, and ironically, this room is nicknamed the kids' room. The kids' room. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so um, I'm going to think how to phrase this. So I'm going to look at that piece. Okay, yeah. So obviously, uh, if you're an 11 time champion and you started out, you said you're like second to last or almost oh, last the was, first time you it shot. It was embarrassing. <laughs> but not to be disappointed because the second shoot, yep, bang, dead last. <laughs> dead last dead on the last. second shoot. I so obviously, there's some kind of draw there. There's something that, that draws you to that, that you put in the work and the effort and the time to, to get that good. So, yeah. what, what is it that draws you to it, do you think? I, love of the sport. It's it's a competition that I want to do. It's the same people, same reason people play golf, yeah, or or play basketball or or whatever. You know, there's the desire to win, there's the desire to do well. Uh, it's camaraderie because it's all cops. Uh, I I compete in Minnesota too. Okay, and uh, whenever I go to the Minnesota shoots, I always wear my Green Bay Packers sweatshirt. <laughs> One day, a friend of mine from the Rochester PD came up to me, and he goes, Clarkie, you're deep in the heart of Viking country wearing a Packer sweatshirt. And I'm going, yeah? And you're surrounded by 60 police officers with guns who are all Viking fans. You must have a death wish. (laughs) But uh, but I love to shoot. I love the camaraderie. Uh, if you can do good, you can 
you can goof around with people. You can do bad. You can goof around with people. It's just fun. And you learn, you learn little techniques that you, you never had before. And I, I learned a uh, practicing technique that, that I have used since the very beginning. And I'm not, I'm not afraid to, uh, to share it with somebody. In fact, I had one guy said, you know, should you be telling me this? And I said, <laughs> you know, someday you'll win this shoot. And I'll be the first one to shake your hand. Yeah. But what you're learning here can also be transitioned out into the street right. to save you out on the street, too. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's fun. What do, you, it. what do you shoot with? I shoot with a Smith & Wesson 38 revolver. Why did you choose that one? It was the only one for sale that day. <laughs> <laughs> and so you stuck with it? I did. Oh, yeah. I've been shooting that gun since 1970. Is that, was that your on-duty nope. sidearm, too? No. Nope. My on-duty sidearm was a, uh, a six-inch revolver that was a 357. Okay. Which yeah. one do you obviously prefer the... Oh, for out on the street? Uh, wait, what, which, which one is more fun to shoot? Which one do you prefer to shoot? Oh, 38. A 38? Yeah. Why? Uh just it i can't give you a reason if i'm <laughs> shooting a combat course okay. i'll shoot with uh, i've got a 45 semi-automatic and i've got the 357 i'll shoot with either of those it's just i love to shoot yeah i love to shoot and i love to be proficient at it do you ever shoot uh like with anything else so like do you ever do like a sniper course or shoot with rifles or anything no i was never a sniper but it was funny because this year at the sniper corps at the state shoot yeah your entry fee automatically signed you up for the sniper match. Okay. So I thought, I'm not a sniper, you know, big <laughs> deal. So then I thought, well, I'll take my deer rifle down. Yeah. And I'll use the sniper course to sight it in. Well, that night at the, at, and we're shooting at 100 yards. Yeah. That night at the, <laughs> at the banquet, I had come in first place retired sniper. <laughs> I, just, I just laughed. I thought, oh, my gosh. This is just hilarious. But gun was sighted in nicely. So. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Did you get anything this year? No. I saw a buck, but it was so far away. And one of, uh, the, one of the party that I was with was on the other side of it. Oh, okay. So, and then other than that, nothing. I sat in the hills for two days and listened to the wind blow. All right. Yeah. What do you think about gun control? That's a good question. You know, in light of everything that's happened... I I like the way the conversation is going where, you know, let's not, it depends upon who you talk to, let's not take guns away from everybody. Right. Because then that, the everybody doesn't include the criminal element. And the other thing I like is, is let's make the background investigation tougher. Yeah. You know, this young man slipped through the cracks. Mm -hmm. and, and you take a look at these school shooters, often... It's a mental health issue. Yeah. And I can't remember who said that just the other day. But, yeah, it is. Let's address that. You know, let's. But to be perfectly honest with you, if if a guy's told not to drink and drive, he's going to drink. If a doctor says if you keep smoking cigarettes, you're going to die, some of those people are going to smoke. And if somebody wants a gun bad enough, they're going to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, you take, I saw an interesting stat here, reasons for people dying, uh, 
uh, abortion, drunk driving, accidents, hammers, all of this. And yeah. guns are at the bottom of the list. Yeah. And then they said, worldwide, per capita, we are the fourth highest or the second highest country for gun deaths. And then they said, if you take away the statistics from New York, Detroit, Chicago, Los Angeles, and there's one other, we're fourth from the bottom. Wow. And the cities that were named have the strictest gun laws in the world. Mm-hmm. Okay, th- we're identifying the problem. Let's do something about it. Um, and do you th- uh, so do you think there's a connection between the legality and then let me rephrase that question. So the argument was made around the time that Colorado first was making uh, marijuana legal, that <laughs> which <laughs> that's a different topic. But yeah. so the conversation was had that if you if you make it um, if you make it legal or if you if you offer the opportunity, you know, if if you don't make it something that's totally illegal, then you'll start having less issues with it. And I don't I don't know if, I don't know if that has changed um, the numbers of people. You know, the number of drug-related arrests in those states are not. But drug do you think that that would make a, a difference? Drug-related arrests in those states are up. Are they? Because these people are going in to socially smoke a, a joint and getting in their car and having accidents. Oh. Yeah, it's the same, you know, as drunk driving. Uh, these people lose comprehension when they do this stuff. Yeah. But, oh, I says I can. Yeah, but you check your law. It says you can. Yeah. You can't drive. Right. And they're driving. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. All right. Um, so we got a couple questions here. The big one. Go uh, ahead. What makes a man a man? Oh, and then what makes a woman a woman? So, like, what's the difference between men and women and what makes a man a man? Well, the first, the first book I'm going to send you to is the Bible. Right. I said, you know, in, in Genesis 1, man and woman. God made man. God made woman. And... Uh, in narrow terms, he, devi- he, you know, these are your duties. Well, as time went on, the, the proper union is one man, one woman. Uh, I get into a lot of trouble with, with the, the gay community for that. And, I mean, you know, hey, we can be friends. I I'm just don't appreciate your lifestyle and you don't appreciate mine. Right. But, I mean, it's it's worked for Marty and I for almost 50 years. And it's it's just, I, this is why we were created. Yeah. This gender identity stuff. Well, okay, um, today I'm associating myself as Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> well, no, no. It's, I'm a man. Yeah. And, and my wife is a woman. And... And we have, do we, you know, okay, this is your jobs and these are my jobs. No, no, because it's a joint effort. Um, Now, the one thing that only she can do is give birth. Right. And thankfully to to three beautiful children. But we shared the the raising. We shared the discipline. uh, We shared teaching if you will marty taught my daughter how to knit um 
you know, I, the boys mowed lawn and helped me split wood and, and, and all three of my children shoot. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, okay, here, okay, you work in the garden and help your mother work in the garden. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing unmanly about helping wash the dishes. I yeah. washed the dishes before you came. Uh, you know, because it helps. I mean, Marty, although she's retired now, she, she still subs as a teacher. And so there are days that, that she's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, I went, well, you met my dog. <laughs> so, and you, you remember the little scene she put on for you in this room. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, th- thankfully I had cleaned up the place before then, so she <laughs> couldn't go nuts. But, uh, you know, it just, you, you share the responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so what, how do you define Christian manhood then? What makes a man a man? Or what makes a Christian man, I should say? Uh, setting a good example. My children have grown up seeing me go to church every Sunday. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, uh, that's the house that I grew up in. I, if I woke up on a Sunday morning and I didn't feel well, but I had a pulse, I was in church. Yeah. Uh, mom saw to that. Um, we were not allowed to, uh, unless sometimes during harvest, mm-hmm. uh, we had... We didn't go to church on Sundays because if it, if it woke up being a nice warm day, we could get into the fields right away. Yeah. And our church was at 9 o'clock. We came home at 10, had lunch, and half yeah. the day is gone. Yeah. You know, we need to, we need to get that in. Uh, but setting an example, um, showing love to my wife. I mean, I can't count the number of times that I'd come in and, and I'd give Marty a kiss, and the kids would go, "Ew!" <laughs> <coughs> no, that's that's what a, this is. This is an expression of love, uh, supporting my wife. If I I'd support her in front of the kids, and and if I disagreed with her, we would talk about that quietly later together. Yeah. Um, just setting the good example. Uh, not, I I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't gamble. Uh, I don't spend times in the saloons. All of these things are just absolutely reprehensible to me. Yeah. You know, they see me coming home from work sober. Uh, <laughs> I cook my bratwurst in beer. <laughs> so yeah. when I pour beer into the pan for them to soak in, I'll always leave about an inch yeah. in the bottom of the last can, and I'll drink that. Kids will see that. They'll get this horrified look on their face. They won't say anything to me, but they'll run in the house and say, Mom, Dad's drinking. <laughs> I came up, when I got my master's degree, I came home with a cigar. Yeah. Really expensive cigar. I was going to smoke that and enjoy it. I was miserable. Those things are so nasty. Yeah, they'll tear you up on the inside. Yeah, but I got out of the truck, and I'm walking up to the house, and I'm smoking this cigar. Kids come running out of the house. Stop, run back in the house. Mom, dad, smoking. <laughs> Little finks. But, uh, you know, it's, again, I, I just, uh, it's, you know, I don't do things that, that would lessen my stature with them. And I, I was never afraid to spend time with them in general. I mean, camping, right. fishing, shooting. Yeah. 
and uh, you know, it was just okay, guys. You know, we're not going to watch TV today. We're going. This has got to be done. Right. And uh, just knowing that I would do all of that, and then and then Marty the same way. Marty taught all three of our kids how to cook and bake. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing unmanly about that. Right. But if if they're telling me that I've got to I've got to let the the feminine side of me come out. Oh, yeah. Well, go get a tattoo and we'll talk about it later. <laughs> oh, and I do not have tattoos. Okay. I I as a hospital corpsman, I was involved in the process of removing them, which if they got infected or something like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, very painful. Ooh. Very painful. And I I vowed right then and there, nope, 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 nope. I'm not going to have one. These are and then over time, they just kind of spread and fade. And yeah. And then last night, night before last, I think, I heard on a TV sto- station that one of, the, one of the base compounds for a tattoo ink yeah. is arsenic. <laughs> Wait a minute. I kill rats with this stuff. Yeah. I'm going to inject this stuff into my body? I don't think so. Yeah. All right. Here's the big one. I love this question. Um, if you could go back, spend five minutes with your 18-year-old self, you have one piece of advice, what would you tell him? I'd slap him silly. <laughs> I would... I have a work ethic that I'm proud of. Mm-hmm. But in retrospect, for the last 50 years, I would go back and say, hey, you need to, you need to improve. You need to work projects to the end. Uh, not being half done and my dad made sure i did that because if i goofed up yeah <clears throat> larry clean the chicken coop which was during the summertime was a nasty <laughs> job and uh but uh i growing up growing up studies weren't my favorite and now that i've done college and and post-grad and all of that i just you know where could I have been if I had a better work ethic and a better study ethic? Uh, but uh, I guess that's that's what I and and I I also told I would also tell him to, you know, don't be afraid of sports. Now in in high school I ran cross country and track, and it was because I told myself I wasn't good enough for football and baseball. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you know? You've never done it. Oh yeah. So, but I ran cross country and track. I did real well on that. But uh, yeah, all right. Going, going back when I was eighteen. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Before I let you go, there's anybody that knows Mr. Clark has a favorite Mr. Clark story. Oh jeez. So before I let you go, I want to hear. There's two stories I want to hear. Um, both of them have to do with animals. I think you know what they already are. I want to hear the story about the bull, <laughs> and I want to hear the story about the skunk. <laughs> <laughs> One night on the south end of La Crosse, we had a uh, meat processing mm-hmm. place. This farmer had brought up an 1,800-pound bull to be processed into meat for him. It got loose. <laughs> it was on the south end of La Crosse, terrorizing the <laughs> neighborhoods. So... We got there. We, first of all, my partner and I tried to, to corner it. That didn't work. Bull had other ideas. So we, we decided it had to come down. 
We yeah. had to put it down. And the owner and the meat processing place were not coming out. They would not come out and assist us. So we grabbed a shotgun. Now, a police shotgun at the time, the first round was a slug. Then it was buckshot. Okay. Then it was a slug. It alternated in the tube. So I went and I, I got up on top of the squad car because that's where he chased me. <laughs> and I, I put a round in the barrel. Slug, right? Yeah. No, it was buckshot. All <laughs> I did was make that bull angry. <laughs> so I thought, all right, the next one is a slug. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pop along. I'm going to hit him in the chest, pop along. Another round of buckshot. Now he's really <laughs> angry with me. So he, but he, he figures that the neighborhood is this dangerous place to be. So he walked away and I followed him. And he was, by now he was limping pretty good. He was slowing down. Yeah. And he turned around and faced me. So I pulled out my 357 and I was going to head shoot him. Yeah. And I put one right under the horns. Yeah. He never flinched. <laughs> he looked at me. And he lowered his head and snorted, and then he started <laughs> pawing the dirt. And I thought, oh, my gosh, now I'm going to know how a matador feels. <laughs> and so I put five more into him, and then he dropped. Uh, <laughs> the owner of the bull sued us unsuccessfully. But, uh, For shooting his bull? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, hey, Clark, are you shooting the bull lately? Every day I work. <laughs> so. <laughs> so the lawnmower caper, this was, this was truly funny. And I'm a member of Rotary. And when I was awarded the Paul Harris Fellow, my award letter included the fact about the lawnmower. <laughs> One afternoon, nice summer day, sunny summer day, guy calls. He's got one of these tin metal old Montgomery Ward sheds in yeah. the backyard. There's a skunk in there. <laughs> so standing out in the daylight looking into an unlit shed yep there it is what do you want me to do shoot it it's going to spray I'll deal with the spray just shoot it <laughs> so taking careful aim standing in the sunlight getting a good sight picture <laughs> aiming it into the shed I squeeze off a shot all you heard was metal separating. I had shot the carburetor <laughs> off his new lawnmower. The skunk sprayed and left. <laughs> the guy is standing there with a deer in the headlights stare. My partner had, who had come over was, you know, just because it was a quiet day, is on the ground in laughter. <laughs> and he walks over and he goes, Puts his arm around the guy and says, you know, last month my partner won the state pistol shoot. <laughs> the guy without flinching said, yeah? What was he shooting at, lawnmowers? <laughs> so we tucked our tail between our legs and left. About two weeks later, the chief of police, who was a member at my church and a dear friend, uh, comes down to line up. And he says, Sergeant, may I, uh, may I address the troops? Sure, Chief. Well, we all know the kind of success that, that Officer Clark has had with <laughs> pistol competition. And he says, we're, we're very proud of him, very proud of him. And he's, and he's won many, many, many awards uh, that we're all very proud of. But he's never won this award. 
<laughs> he had plaqued the bill the city had to pay for the lawnmower. And he presented it to me. <laughs> and now, at Rotary, at some of the other functions, it's, it's a, uh, it gets resurrected every now and then. And we, all, we all have a good laugh over it. And I just, you know. And ironically, last year sometime or the year before, I was out in that area delivering flowers. Yeah. And I tried to find the house. And I, I, I couldn't remember it. And I, so then I'm looking in the backyards for little Montgomery Ward sheds. Yeah. And I didn't see one either. So I don't know. But my <laughs> claim to fame is I can shoot the bull with the best of them. And I shot and killed a lawnmower. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Larry, for your time. Thank it's been you, a lot Charlie. of fun. It's been nice seeing you again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Mr. Larry Clark passed from this life on March 14th, 2018, about two weeks after we did this interview. And I'm so happy and so thankful that I got to share one last afternoon with him to deliver him one last pastrami sandwich. <laughs> To shake his hand one more time, drink his terrible coffee, and swap some stories. And I know he was a huge influence on a lot of people, but I owe Larry a thank you. Thank you for all the sandwiches <laughs> you bought me over the years. Thank you for protecting myself and my family and the lacrosse community as we slept. Thank you for having candy in your desk and for paying us in Cokes when we would take the bulletins off the copy machine. Thanks for teaching me how to work hard and show me how to stack wood. Thank you for letting us crash at your house on the way back and forth from Minnesota. Thank you for letting us sled in your front yard. Thanks for telling stories nonstop. Thanks for all the adventures that ended with you saying, no, don't tell your mom about this. <laughs> but most of all, thank you for loving all of us with a full heart. God bless you, Larry. I look forward to seeing you again. Sharing a pastrami sandwich on rye. Swapping stories and singing eternal praises. Have a good one, Larry. We'll miss you.